welcome back. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast, and with me is Paul Anderson. Pastor Paul, say hi. Hello. And I am Pastor Nate Johnstone, and we're going to pick up right where we left off from last week, which was this that we have been talking about is how to finish strong. And we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4, starting with verse 6. And Paul talks here about how he is finishing strong, starting with verse 6. As for me, my life is being poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. And so this is Paul's writing his own obituary, I believe is the way you termed it. I really like that because it really does sound like an obituary. It's an autobiographical obituary. And I like the idea that you gave last week, Paul, of challenging us to write your own obituary. Maybe, maybe next time you're in your quiet time, um, write out what your obituary would be now, and then write another one of what you would like it to be. And that's a good way to think. It's, it's a good way. It's healthy to think from the end back rather right. than just looking forward. Picture yourself there. What do you want people to say? What do you think they will say? And does anything need to change in your life now so that when they say, oh, he was such a loving, gracious, giving, thankful person, does anything need to change to make that a reality? Start doing it now. Mm -hmm. It's a good way. It is, and I think it's a great exercise to do. Um, And so we we talked about that, and we talked about the... The fact that life is suffering. Paul mm-hmm. Paul makes it clear here, you know, life is suffering, and it's true for all of us. And the sooner we accept the reality that life is suffering and that obedience to God is sacrifice, then things become a little easier because we don't expect everything to be perfect. We don't expect everything to go our way. Sometimes Christians have a tendency to think that because we are God's beloved child, everything is going to go well for us. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are God's beloved child. And he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But right there, that implies that not all things are already working for good. That's <laughs> right. Things aren't going well if God has to say he works all things for good. Mm-hmm. He makes all things into some kind of good for us. Um the reality is that's not the case. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the beginning of a, unless you do this, and then you won't have any. No, no, no. That was the end of the sentence. In this life, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. Then he says, don't worry. Be a because good I, cheer. Because I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, life is suffering. Yes, obedience means sacrifice. But we don't have to worry about that. We can still rejoice because... God wins in the end. We're on the winning team. Our army has already won the war. We're just mopping up Mm -hmm. at the end of the battle. And that still means suffering, though. And it it still means sacrifice. And Paul is keenly aware of this. 
as he is practically staring down the barrel of his execution rifle, Mm -hmm. um, being in prison in Rome under Nero. Nero, who, as we mentioned last week, burned down Rome himself in order to blame it on the Christians so that he could kill as many of them as possible. He used to dip them in tar and light them on fire uh, in his garden during his parties. That's a true a true fact written in multiple mm-hmm. history books. Nero, not our hero, not a good guy. <laughs> really, the Antichrist. He is the Antichrist that John writes about in Revelation. It's very clear that Nero is literally the Antichrist. I'm not making a comment on whether or not there will also be a future Antichrist in the coming, you know, end of time, all that, blah, blah, blah. But the one he was talking about was obviously Nero at the time. And it certainly looked like the end, if you were the church. You thought this was the end. Jesus better be coming back next Thursday because we're all getting killed. Um, so Paul's keenly aware, and we talked about the, the military metaphor being continually used by Paul to help you keep in the mindset that we're supposed to be having as Christians, a mindset of sacrifice, of suffering. And I'm not saying that in a depressed way. Paul's not depressed here. As we read this passage, he's not depressed. He's not a downer. He's not being negative. He's being honest and vulnerable about the fact that he's suffering and he's about to die. And he's lonely and he wants his buddy Timothy to come see him, please. Um, But he's very positive. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I haven't talked to too many people who, as they're dying, are this positive. I mean, I know you've talked to some, and maybe you can share some of those stories over the next couple of weeks. Um, but let's continue with the passage. We, we've talked about now him pouring out his life um, as a drink offering to the Lord, and we're up to verse 7. So he switches from the present. He was in the present tense. He says, I am being poured out. Now he turns to the past tense. And he says three things, which sound to me a lot like an obituary. And we talked to you last week about writing your own, thinking about the end and how you would want to finish and what you would want people to say. Paul said it himself. He probably wasn't going to have a funeral. People were going to gather around him. Nero was going to take his head off. So here's what he says, three things powerful. I have fought the good fight. There's that fight again, that word of warfare. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So let's look at the first one. I have fought the good fight. So what's the good fight? He didn't say a good fight. Mm -hmm. He used the definite article. There's a fight that's the good fight. I believe that the fight is the fight of faith. The fight to believe when it's hard to believe. The fight to believe for other people when they can't believe for themselves. Hmm. We fight for them. We just said goodbye to my oldest sister. Mm -hmm. She was all twisted up from a surgery that went south and turned into a human pretzel. And it was very sad to see her. She couldn't move. Her body for a while she could speak but then she lost her voice as well she fought till the end I remember one experience when she fought for someone else who couldn't believe for themselves they were having a women's gathering 
And uh, mother came in. She was freaking out. Her daughters had cut her, had her hand had been closed on a door, and it was gushing, and it was a thick, uh, a big gash in her hand. And Ruth said, "Okay, make a circle." We're going to make a circle here. The women gathered together. Each one prayed. Somehow I was there with them. We prayed in faith. The girl fell asleep as we were praying. She was three years old. It was Emily. She fell asleep. The mother calmed down. And while she was sleeping, she looked at this terrible, freakish gash. It had turned into nothing more than a cut. It was a miracle. Wow. God did cool. a miracle. Ruth was fighting the fight of faith hmm. for Judy, who was having a t- hard time believing for her daughter. So we fight for ourselves. We fight for other people. Paul was fighting for himself. He fought for Timothy, and he mm-hmm. told him, Timothy, you fight. You fight. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He warned him, it's not going to be easy, Timothy. But now, he didn't want him to stay in Ephesus. He misses his son in the faith, and he wants him to come. We hope he got there. I hope he did. I hope hope he did. Not sure if he did. So, uh, fighting is is not a picture that makes us smile. (laughs) Right. You know, it makes us toughen up and like I said last week once you acknowledge that life is hard that living the Christian life is hard that work is hard marriage is hard raising kids is hard it just got easier because we acknowledge the fact and you were saying how difficult it was for Millennials these days because they expect it to be easy I think that's what turns people into victims. Mm. They expect it to be easy. Yeah. It's hard. And then we say, wait a minute. This was not supposed to be this way. It's not fair. Not fair. It's not fair. And so we we play the victim role and we sink back into how it used to be or how it could have been, how it should have been, could have, would have, should have, and it ain't. Yeah. And, and then we're more depressed. So once we acknowledge like Paul did and what he taught Timothy to do to say it's going to be a war it's not a picnic it's a war fight Timothy fight the fight of faith so my word to your listening is look at what you're fighting for are you involved in any secondary skirmishes that don't really matter are there fights you're taking up like with an unruly an unruly relative or a neighbor that's running over your lawn. What are your skirmishes? Are they worth fighting for? I'm thankful that my sister Ruth, she fought the good fight. And Mm -hmm. I remember one thing she said, she lived a tough life because her husband was a pastor, left her, left four kids very, very tough. She could have easily become a victim. And and there was a a short period of time when she was. But once she got over that, man, she was a champion. And uh, she fought well. And I asked her, listen to this. I I asked her one day, she was all twisted up. She could hardly talk. And I said, Ruth, as you look back 
and you see the messes, the, the snarly relationships and the struggles, and you see this as you look back, how do you deal with that? Her answer shocked me. She said, I don't look back. Hmm. Cool. Never forget that. Yeah. Just like uh, when Lot and his family left Sodom, you know, God's like, don't look back. And I, and I think that was a literal don't look back because his wife did, the whole pillar of salt thing. Um, but I also think it was for later. Later on, Lot, don't look back and say, oh, I, I ruined my life mm-hmm. by living there and I ruined my family and like, you know, you could, he could have been trapped in Sodom for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. mentally. Yes. And I think God was saying, no, don't. Don't yeah. do that. Don't look back. Yeah. That's, that's a really good story. So that's the first thing. You said, I have fought the good fight. And then this other word of triumph. It's not uh, a warfare uh, illusion, but it's athletics. Paul... Mm-hmm. Paul uh, knew the world of sports. Probably the Corinthian games were games that he was familiar with. And he talked about boxing. I don't beat as one who beating the air. And he talked about track and field. And so I think he had the Corinthian games in mind when he said, I have finished the race. He's not talking about a sprint. On a sprint, you the, the start is really important. So you use uh, starting blocks and you bust out of uh, when you hear the gun uh, because the start may mean whether you finish or not doesn't matter how you start this race in a marathon right it doesn't it's not the issue but it's whether you finish or not and i ran a few of those and you hit the wall. They they have this. Uh, they they talk about this uh, imaginary wall around twenty miles, where you start thinking of things you'd rather be doing than <laughs> running, like sitting in a jacuzzi. I would start a lot earlier than twenty miles. Thinking about that. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the race, I'd go home, and my kids would say, "Did you win, Dad?" And I would say, "Yes, I finished. That was my goal." Mm-hmm. to finish the race. I asked my dad two weeks before he died. I said, Dad, do you have any unfinished business? And I was serious. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I did what I was supposed to do. Hmm. That's got to be a great feeling. A wonderful way to end. To end satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like a lot of people end that way. Well, Jesus did, as we know. Jesus definitely did. He it's said... Very clear. Uh, just before the end, he said, I have glorified you on earth, having finished what you gave me to do. Mm-hmm. So he finished strong. My dad finished strong. I want to finish strong. I want to finish my race it's not your race you got to run your race i got to run my race yeah and i want to finish strong i'm sad for some people at that uh 
I'm sad for, like for Bill Hybels. He's a he was a wonderful leader, and he may still be a wonderful leader. I I don't know all the situation, but I know that the name Willow Creek now is being separated from the name Bill Hybels. It never was for years and years. They did the leadership summits, the global leadership summits, and he wrote a book on leadership that I really appreciate. But now it doesn't appear, at least that uh, he was running a real good race. And so I, I hope he can do what Samson did. Samson messed up. He tripped and fell somewhere along the race. Yeah. But he but got back up at the end. He made it into the Hall of Fame yeah. on Hebrews, in 11. Hebrews 11. Yeah, because when people think of Samson, they think of the failure. That's right. Oh, yeah, really strong guy screwed up. Mm-hmm. But he came back. He got, pulled himself back up and finished. I imagine in a marathon, if around mile 20, you hit that wall and you fall down, I imagine it's really tough to get back up and finish. I did a dumb thing once. I, I purposely, I was so tired, I went over and sat down on a curb just for a moment. Stupid thing. Mm-hmm. It hurt more then. Yeah. To get back up and run after you've sat down. that That's a dumb thing to do. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think that's a great analogy for this kind of stuff. Um, David, you know, King David, we all know some of his failures. Yes. He failed a couple times as a husband, as a dad, as a leader. But he got back up. You know, mm-hmm. he did finish at the end. And, you know, our... our demographics right now in this country we have a lot of people who are in the retirement age that's right more than we ever have in this country in the past and i think people in that age which includes you paul um a lot of them are struggling to find purpose and meaning now that they're retired from their day job you know, their day-to-day job, and they're retired from raising little kids because their kids are grown up and gone. And mm-hmm. um, Paul here, I think, gives gives the answer to that. I have finished the race. You know, you don't stop running. No, no, no. Um, retired persons, elderly folks, even folks who are laid up, like, your race ain't done yet. <laughs> you know, I think about the two elderly women in Scotland, and we've mentioned them before, in the Hebrides Islands who one was crippled, couldn't leave the house, the other one was blind. But they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed every single day that God would bring revival to their little island because they needed God so badly there. And he did. He told them to send for the, for the preacher, and he came, and revival broke out. Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell stayed for at least two years. He was to, he was supposed to stay for two weeks, and he stayed for two years. Yeah, and revival across the whole island. Just incredible revival. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that keeps you up at night, hopefully praying <laughs> for the same thing to happen here. Yes. And that was two little old ladies. I mean, there were others, of course, praying too, and, and you never know the full story, but they were a huge part of that story. I believe And it. they were too infirm laid up, homebound, complete shut-in, mm-hmm. retired folks, mm-hmm. and they changed the whole island. They did. 
I believe it because they did that. Um, obviously, God's the one who did the change, but they they brought it about. They were his his hands and his feet in that instance, and this country has millions and millions now yes. of people in this exact age group who need to wake up. Dear elder brother, sister, if you're still running the race, you still have a chance to finish well, mm-hmm. to finish strong. Hear the admonition that comes in the way of an obituary I have finished the race. We want you to be able to say, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I look for people my age. And I'm, in fact, I'm going to speak about it Sunday at Stadium Village Church because they have a, a culture of uh, missions and they have some a whole group of older people. And I'm going to say to them, you're not done till you're done. You need to be finding young people like Paul found at Timothy. You need to find people that you can mentor, you can share, you can bring the generations together Yes, yes. By, by sharing with them what God taught you so that they can run a good race, like Moses did with Joshua, like Elijah did with Elisha. Mm-hmm. Elijah was depressed until God said, well, you anoint Elisha. When he did, he became the son. In fact, when Elijah was taken up into heaven, Elisha shouted out to him, My father, my father. Mm. Elijah had become a father to him. Yeah. And his, his life, he was depressed, and he came out of depression into a place of real usefulness, and he changed the course of history through Elisha. He did. And you folks... You can do that. God's still got a plan for you. Sadly, in this passage, just two verses after the end, we hear about Demas, who didn't finish his race. He left the race. We can't believe it. He was a part of the apostolic band. He's He's mentioned in other epistles. Colossians and Philemon, both times along with Luke. He wasn't this fresh upstart. He was a part of the apostolic team, and something in the world caught his attention, and he didn't like the fight. He liked the ease. He liked the joy that he could find out in the world. We can't believe he did it, but he left the race. And Paul was sad for that. He was broken yeah. because he was a friend. Mm-hmm. And Paul really needed him then. <laughs> it was. It's a warning. It's a warning to some of you people that are saying, all I want to do is sit back and, and give me the remote control so I can enjoy my life. Yeah, And some who think retirement is me time. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've given my time to the, the job, to the country, to the family, and now retirement is for me mm-hmm. to enjoy everything I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I, that, I don't think that's finishing the race. We need you. I think, I think, that's, I think that's leaving the race at mile 20. It, it's when we need you the most, when everyone right. else needs you the most. Yes. I'm not saying don't go to Boca. I'm just saying you're the most valuable in that stage in your life when you have that much experience and that much wisdom. You've got share. stories to tell yes. that your children, your grandchildren, your younger friends need to hear. Please tell them your story. There are so many scriptures about this, especially in the Psalms, about sharing your story. I hope I can find them quickly. 
Oh my. I think it's so We important. will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. You got three generations in those verses. Yeah. It's so important. What's the address of that passage? Psalm 78, verses 4, 5, and 6. Well, 7 included, so that they would set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Yeah, so sharing your story is what gives people the ability to put their hope in God, is what that's saying. That's exactly it. And it's not just you, it's your legacy, children, grandchildren. And even if you don't have, you know, biological children and grandchildren, there's spiritual children and grandchildren everywhere. Paul didn't. (coughs) That's right. As far as we know. Timothy was his son in the faith. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how important you are. Again, I'm talking to you, kind of retirement age folks, to the younger generation, to millennials who are by and large, a fatherless generation. Oh, my. It is absolutely epidemic. I mean, there's a reason for all, all the depression and suicide and drug overdoses and all this stuff. It's because they, many of them weren't parented, and the, the society, our culture, didn't parent them and raise them. So um, sad. And, and it's, they're, they're fatherless. They're orphaned. They're abandoned in so many ways. And most of them are completely unchurched. I was in Finland, and we were walking late at night with the leaders, and there were these young kids. I'd call them six, maybe six, maybe seventh graders, and there were bunches of them walking out in the streets, and I said, what's going on? I didn't ask the kids. I asked the leaders, and they said, we have an unfathered generation, and I, then I knew what I was going to preach on that night. I was going to preach on healing from a father wound because there were so many wounded kids who didn't know who they were, didn't know, uh, didn't connect with their parents. So I, I really feel this strong. I feel like preaching. Uh, we believe that you have a purpose on earth until you draw your last breath. Mm-hmm. And please don't sit back in the easy chair for your whole life, but see who you can give your story to so that they can uh, be f- properly mothered, fathered, so that they can tell their story when they get your age. And that way, even after you do draw your last breath, finish the race, yes, you hit the tape running yes. at the end of that race, yes. and you enter into the celebration of your Father in Heaven, as the Bible says, but even after you do, your legacy that you left on earth spiritually continues to go. That's the second, the third generation that we read about in the psalm there. And so that's God's intention for us, I believe, Mm -hmm. is that even after we are gone, our life still matters, still in the present and in the future, because it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And everyone that we sowed seeds into um, everyone that we mentored, that's why when, that's why Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and convert Christians. 
go and mm-hmm. get Christians, go mm-hmm. and make disciples. We mm-hmm. disciple other people who then disciple other people who then disciple other people. And that's how the kingdom of God expands. That's how it always has expanded and always was meant to expand. You're almost quoting 2 Timothy 2.2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, I'd add women there, who will be able also to teach others. Yeah. Pass it on so that they can pass it on. Mm-hmm. So that they can it's pass it on. It's not rocket science. No. <laughs> I would like just to pause and pray yeah, here um, for those who are listening. And whatever age you are in, our hope is that you are running a good race and you plan on hitting the tape running. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage from a lonely, deserted, struggling, but yet confident man who knew his race was almost over and ran a race well. I pray that we could say at our last hour, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I have fought the fight and I I'm about to finish. I have finished. I did what I was supposed to do. Like my dad said, I pray for everyone listening that they would be able to say um, on their last moment here, I did what God wanted me to do. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we'll continue this passage next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.